So much has changed in how spaceflight is presented to the public, so today we're going to have a discussion about what we think is working and what isn't. And how it differs from the past, and are there lessons we could learn from how it used to be done, which we may have moved away from? This episode is very much an opinion piece, so let us know your thoughts via our social media pages at Space and Things One on Twitter and at Space and Things Podcast on Instagram and Facebook or via the contact form on our website. And don't forget to please consider joining us over at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash space and things. But right now, enjoy another episode of the Space and Things podcast. Space and Things with Dave Giles and Emily Carney. I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles, and welcome to this week's episode. This is an episode we recorded a while ago, just in case something happened, which meant we couldn't get an episode recorded, or one of us was on holiday, or something like that. Regular listeners should know the drill by now. But if this happens to be your first episode that you listen to, there is just one thing missing from our normal schedule, which is our What Caught Our Eye This Week segment. But fear not, all being well, it will be back next week. But right now, let's crack on. Okay, we're off to a good start, Flight Cool. You may remember that we asked our Patreon subscribers in February if they had any ideas for things that they might want to discuss. Don Irwin suggested this as a topic. He did. Covering space in the present, the various ways space is covered today from space agencies and private companies' messaging and media relations, to broadcasting networks, to independent folks like YouTubers and podcasters. How well is each reaching various audiences? What will the landscape of space coverage look like in the future? And we love that suggestion so much that we thought we'd have a go at it. Thanks, Don. What are your thoughts on this, Dave? Well, it's kind of your job, isn't it? So I think this is a really interesting thing for us to be discussing. I think it's important to look back first at how things used to be done. Now, again, I always say this, wasn't alive way back in the day. So it's, of course, I may get things wrong, but based on the many books I've read, NASA obviously would have loads of press conferences all the time. And there was a limited number of space uh, of news outlets in America and of course over here we just had the BBC really and they would report based on the press conferences and NASA were very open uh, about well it appears that they were very open uh, about what they were doing and what they were trying to do but the message was although it was put out by NASA it was reported and presented by independent broadcasters be it someone like Walter Cronkite, who had their own opinions on how things were. And NASA trusted those broadcasters enough to say, here's the information, you present it to the public. These days, companies and NASA are very much in control of their own message and present it themselves. And I think that's the big change in how it, how it happens. Now, independent voices report on those things and I think potentially as a result it's not as open and transparent as it was perhaps do you think that's a fair analysis I think um 
here's what I well, here's what I think. I agree with your assessment on how things were back in the day, because back in the day you had, you know, NASA had this deal with Life magazine that they would let the astronaut tell their stories and stuff like that. And uh, those are kind of puff pieces. I don't think the astronauts necessarily wrote all that stuff themselves. It was probably dictated to and then massaged by journalists to sound Mm -hmm. a certain way, you know, to sound, you know, like, you know, all American and apple pie and all that stuff. Cause I'm sure if they had written what they wanted to write, it would have been a lot different. Yeah. (laughs) But I I do agree with you. I think in the, in the sixties and I don't know much about the BBC, but I know they had journalists like Reginald Turnill. I think that's his name. And, um, James Burke and, you know, in the United States, we had people like Walter Cronkite and we had people like Jules Bergman and you had people like John Chancellor and David Brinkley, I guess, with, with um, I think with NBC and stuff like that. But I, I do think that those journalists sort of were I, I, w- I don't know if I would say trusted, but those journalists were they worked with a lot of NASA people to tell stories, if that makes sense. And I think probably the best loved one in the United States was Walter Cronkite because he had a really good relationship with, um, the, you know, with NASA and, you know, the astronauts. And he was the trustworthy anchor of the 20th century, I would say. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I mean, he's still sort of held up as the gold standard here. And there were other reporters, but I don't think they were as well-respected as... Cronkite was. I'm not going to mention any names, but I think there were other people who were seen as a little more biased. There was a a reporter, and I'm not going to say his name. He's dead, but still, he probably has family out there. But um, if you notice during Apollo 13, he got really doom and gloom and very like, oh, they're going to die, basically. And NASA did not like this because NASA was like, we're trying to get them back. They're not dying. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it was just really honestly tasteless. It wasn't appropriate. He didn't really handle it right. And this is on the reporter. This isn't on NASA because NASA was pretty open about what was happening. So I, I think Cronkite in the United States was definitely probably the most well-respected one just because he was honest. He was kind mm. of a vuncular, like an uncle almost. Like you felt like you were talking to a favorite uncle. It wasn't just some some news reporting. So I think... As time has gone on, um, I think the cult of the news reporter, you know, somebody like Cronkite, I think because of how news is reported now in the United States, that's gone away. I think nowadays people have a mistrust, more of a mistrust of the media, just because so many media sources are biased one way or another. I'm not criticizing anybody in particular. That's just how it is here in the United States. There's really nobody that's kind of in the middle of the road just trying to tell you what's happening. Even with Artemis, there was usually somebody on there making a case for or against spaceflight. And I'm like, I don't care. I just want to hear what's happening with this flight. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah. So I, I do think some of the space reporting has lost its glamour, especially in, I would say, I would say the me, you know, I hate saying this term. It sounds so conspiracy theorist, but like the mainstream media, I think it's lost some of its luster because you just don't see many good reporters in that type of media. Usually they have to get an expert on, like they have to hire somebody to speak as an expert, you know, and there's some pretty good experts I've seen on television. Like Anatoly Zach is 
excellent. You know, there are many people who have been hired to talk on these shows that do a great job. But um, I think nowadays, <laughs> some of the best reporting I'm seeing is coming from like independent people on YouTube and on the podcast and through the independent blogs and through social media. I really do. I think NASA has gotten with the program a little bit because of the net. They've, they've done the NASA social program, which was called NASA tweet up for years where they've let sort of regular people into their programs. And I think that's really cool. I think that's awesome that they have allowed just regular people who love space flight, who happen to have some connection to social media sort of into their program. I think that's neat. Yeah. I do think they need to be better about vetting people at the press site. And that's all I'm right. going to say. I mean, I, I wouldn't know much about that. I, I I would love to know more about that. Uh, If we do a space, space and things after dark one day <laughs> where I'm allowed to cuss as much as I No, I'm kidding. But seriously, though, um, I do think, you know, there are plenty of people who are, I, I would say, independent reporters who are kind of like their own brand. For example, yeah. somebody I really like a lot. I like Everyday Astronaut. Oh, yeah. Tim's great. I think yeah. he's fantastic. Uh, I like his channel a lot. I'm trying to think who else there are people I follow on Twitter who I I really love what they do when I when I want to read about Russian space flight. I always go to Russian space web with Anatoly Zach. He's awesome. He always gets it right. If I need to know something about orbital parameters, Jonathan McDowell. Uh, there you go. Another thing I do think is I think women are underrepresented big time, but I don't know if that's. I don't want to create controversy by saying this, but I don't know if that's because there are just less women doing it. Does that make sense? Because I, I don't see as many women doing it, I guess. That's not me being, you know, critical. It's just me thinking, you know, there's, there's just less of us, you know, which, but we are out there and there are mm. women. Um, I want to say there are women, uh, space people. I don't know if, they would be reporters, but they're more like space personalities who I really admire a lot, too. I'm always captivated by what they're doing. So, really, I think I think it's really in the hands of a lot of the independent people now versus just NASA itself or um, versus the television news in the United States. I think that's a really good analysis of how it is now as well. Look at us. Look what we do. We, we try our best to share our opinions on and be as honest as we can about what's going on and the things that are going on. And we try to talk to interesting people who might be able to give us and our listeners more insight into how things are going on. And I think that those things are important these days because I think more than ever, we don't trust the media. I, I, I don't read a newspaper, so it's not really relevant to me. Uh, I used to. But now I'm aware of what happens behind the scenes a little bit more. I don't want to. And I think that's probably the same with TV companies. Although in this country, we have the BBC. But I get so frustrated with the BBC because I think they have to, that they've become a clickbait thing where they try and pander to what gets the clicks rather than tell the stories that I want to hear within stuff. And then they're, they're reactive rather than proactive in their coverage of things. Maybe that's the right way to be. I don't know, but it's frustrating. Whereas when you're interested in a topic, you want someone to be proactive. And I think that's what independent people can do 
better than uh, other people. And I think part of that is that a lot of independent people like myself and you, you're taking a punt at it, not necessarily to earn any money in it. And I yeah. think that's part of it. So, of course, you you look at the stats of what Tim uh, and Everyday Astronaut are doing. They're doing all right. But they're also plowing a lot of that money directly back into their equipment and then to production to make yeah. sure that they can do even more. And their travel arrangements, do they not deserve any success? Of course they do. I, I, I hope they have all the success in the world. But they are good with what they're earning in terms of putting it back in. And if we get to a point where we're earning enough to do that, that's what we'll do as well. But... Your your opening gambit isn't I'm doing this to make a load of money. You're doing it because you're passionate in a subject. Yeah, because you and love something. Yeah, because you love something. And I can't expect the BBC to love spaceflight. I wish they did, but I can't yeah. expect them to. And as you said, the conversation in the in the mainstream is always seems to be the justification for spaceflight, no yeah, matter for, what happens, for or against. Yes. You know? Whereas I don't need that argument. I've already been converted. I want to know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I want to know details. I don't care about, you know, making an argument for or against it. I already like it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I, I, I think in the United States as well, a lot of even the internet news stories are very clickbaity. Like sometimes I'll see something with an insane title and then I'll click on it and it's just some story that I've already heard already, but they put this nutty ass title on it. So... Yeah people will click on it and it's just kind of like well that's kind of you know dishonest in a way and like you said i think the independent space people out there you know are sensitive to that and i think they're just being more honest that's all so i salute them and that's really who i'm interested in following now personally and obviously i have to be a bit careful here because it is your job but I think it's interesting. You're trying to, and this is what I was getting at earlier, that all the different private companies have their own messaging. And you are a content manager for a space company. So what are your goals when you're creating content that you're putting out? Because obviously it's not just about putting out the message of what the company is doing, but broader things around that as well to help create a bigger picture, correct? Yeah. Part of it when you work for an aerospace company or any company is you want to promote the company's goods and services, right? Yeah. That is part of it. But part of it too is you want you want the clients and possible clients to be aware of what kind of services you offer. And and I don't know, I'll just put out for example I was working on an article today about Vandenberg, right? Which is the Space Force base that's across the country from me. It's not in Cape Canaveral. And, you know, I'm trying to let people know, you know, why is Vandenberg a great place to do launches from? What what is attractive about it? What what makes it different from going to Cape Canaveral? But um, when you do content creation of any kind, I think, and you have to identify, okay, what's my audience? What do they want? What are they interested in and how do I tie the research and the the presentation? How do I tie that together? Because you want to back everything up with something that has research behind it, that has facts behind it. You don't just want to say, yeah, this is magic. I, I can't speak for other companies at all. And I'm not I want to make it very clear. I'm not speaking for them. But if you look, if, if you look at SpaceX, 
some of their materials on their website, they're trying to sell rocket launches to people who have maybe small sets or have their own payloads. Because mm. nowadays, it is possible for you to buy space on a SpaceX rocket or a ULA rocket if you had the money to do it. This is something you can do nowadays. Like, it's no longer the domain of just the government. Yeah. And SpaceX has certain language that they use to try to put their product, which is launch vehicles, across to clients, basically saying, this is what we can offer you for so much money. But they have the research and they have the um, company heritage and sort of legacy to back that up. They have hundreds of launches now or over 100 launches now that are successful. I think it's the same thing with what I do. You know, you want to back everything up with research and your company's heritage to let them know, okay, this is what we are capable of doing for you. Yeah. If you choose to fly with us. Do you think that's any different to what NASA has to do? Because obviously NASA has a different set of objectives due to the fact that it's taxpayer funded, right? It, it's, it answers to different people. I think the lines are getting blurred with NASA a bit only because now they do fly commercial programs. Like yeah. they do have SpaceX flying for them nowadays. Um, they have employed ULA, which is like a public private partnership sort of to fly payloads for them. They, they are going to imply commercial companies to fly lunar landers for them. Um, so I think it's a little kind of muddied now because they do have com more commercial partnerships yeah but i don't think nasa is focused as much on selling things as much as I, w I wouldn't call it selling things even though they are technically selling to the taxpayer in a way because they're trying to justify certain programs to taxpayers like if they have artemis literature they're trying to justify it to the taxpayer why are we going to the moon yeah because some people are gonna say well, why the hell should we go to the moon well they do have literature that does that in my opinion does a pretty good job of justifying it but i think nasa has a lot of probably more so than other comp you know companies out there i think nasa has a lot of sort of irons in the fire so to speak they have a bunch of different programs uh crude and uncrewed yeah earth sciences yeah they have to justify landsat which i think justifies itself okay you got this free data that images the earth that's awesome you know that's a really amazing resource we really just take it for granted. Yeah, they have Earth Sciences, as you said, which I think should sell itself. I think they have, you know, they have history as well, which they have articles about it, you know, and their history department does a great job, I think, in putting that heritage across. So I think NASA is a little different from, um, I would say, my job. Just in the, it, it doesn't sell as much to the taxpayer, but it does have language where they try to explain, okay, why are we doing this? Where do you see this going in the future? Do you think that companies will start doing more partnerships with these independent people? Or do you think they will remain two separate entities? I think space agencies and I think companies are going to do partnerships with influencers. Absolutely. Because a lot of people are going to disagree with me and say that uh, you're just saying that because you're a podcaster or something, or you're just saying this because you are an influencer. I think we have a pretty big hold on the tempo on what people are interested in, in the space community. And I think that's very attractive for people to work with us, you know, because mm. we actually sort of 
know, okay, this is what certain people are going to like. And I think we have a little better hold on what certain demographics like as well. I'm middle-aged. I'm 45. So I'm probably not as with it as somebody younger than me, you know? So there's probably younger people that are going to come out who will have a hold over a different group of people, which is awesome. I think that's great. But I think that's going to be the way of the future. I really do. Is there anything you think we could learn from what they did in the past that we're not doing as well? Do you do you wish that we did have a media, a mainstream media like they did in the 60s and 70s? Not really, just because I think as much as I love people like Cronkite, I, I, things are a lot different nowadays. Uh, first of all, you know, back then the... The media was very much dominated by guys. You didn't see yeah. many women space reporters. If There were a few, but not many on television, if at all. And I think things are just, things have to be different now, which is fine. And um, moving on in the future, I think the big thing that NASA, I don't want to be too critical of NASA, but I think the big thing that NASA messed up with, with Apollo, and I've talked about this in a previous episode is that I think after Apollo 11, they just quit marketing it. They just were like, okay, we made it. (laughs) We did it. And they just quit selling it at that point. You know, they quit trying to make it interesting to, you know, regular people because space people were always going to be into this, right? We were always going to be watching it. But regular people, it's like, okay, we already landed on the moon, whatever. I think in the 70s, they tried to go ways to get people's interest back, such as with NASA spinoffs where they tried Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, we have products. We have things that were developed from the Apollo moon missions and from spaceflight, which was really cool. But regular people are not interested in that as bad as that sounds. Space people love that stuff, but regular people are probably like, nah, that's kind of okay. They don't think about that stuff on a day to day basis. So I think really what we need to do with upcoming space programs, whether it's Artemis or Starship, Whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be just NASA stuff. We just have to keep the momentum alive. We have to be excited about it. We have to keep selling it to people and letting them know this is why we do spaceflight. I'm looking very far into the future saying this. I think the purpose of spaceflight is really to save humanity. I think one day we're going to have to go out into space and start over. It it may not be in my lifetime, but it's going to be in somebody's lifetime. And I really think that we need to make... (laughs) space flight sort of you know okay this is a viable thing to everybody so that's what i think but i tend to look very far into the future i've enjoyed this conversation i think it's really interesting i know i know essentially talking about yourself is an odd thing to do and that's basically what we've been doing is talking about media and people who report on on space i think it's a very interesting time to be into space because there are so many options of different things and different ways you can learn about what's going on or or just hear other people discuss it. I think there's so many people doing it and I think that's great and everyone's doing it slightly differently. Everyone's focusing on slightly different things or uh, having their conversation in in a slightly different way and I think that's a beautiful thing. So I I think I will, within the show notes, put a list of some of my favorite other 
independence that we haven't perhaps mentioned. And, and these could be, and this is the thing, it, it's not just podcasts. It's not just YouTubers. It could be just people on, on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. And I don't use TikTok, but I know it's a big place for this kind of thing. People yeah. making little videos for their Instagram or, or their TikTok or whatever, uh, explaining things. There are so many people out there. And Emily, I thought it was really interesting you said that in, on, on the mainstream side, I think you were talking about the mainstream, you don't see as that many women. On the independent side, you see a hell of a lot of women doing this Absolutely. Stuff. Yep, and that tells you something, though, too, doesn't Absolutely it? tells you something, and that's such a key point that, that we need to make sure that we're talking about, uh, that, yep. that there are people there doing it, and we need to celebrate them. We've had some of them on. We'll have more of them on if, they'll, if they want to come on. I think this is interesting. I thank Don for suggesting this topic to talk about. Yes, thank you, Don. Before we finish, I also want to point out, we've mentioned the mainstream media, we've mentioned independent people, but there are, there are some really good space news outlets as well i'm thinking of places like space.com and we've spoke to uh chelsea before who used to work there and we've also spoken to elizabeth howe who's a wonderful journalist there i love reading her articles and you know we had robert palman on from collect space and while these may seem like more independent than the mainstream i think if you're within the space world they are pretty mainstream and they're really important and they do a great service as there are places I go to check out news stories, and I know there are other ones as well that I should probably name. And as I said, I'll put them all in the show notes. Media world, hold on to your head. I'm going to turn you upside down. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you've enjoyed it, please consider hitting that share button. We sure do appreciate that a lot. Yeah, the best form of marketing is always a personal recommendation. So thanks to all who continue to do that for us and sharing this with their friends. We'll be back next week uh, with our feature of what we like to what's caught our ear this week or what's caught our eye this week uh, but don't forget in space no one can hear you stream <laughs> <laughs>